what military coming in or something to uh, or government interfering with telling us how to how we can worship and how we can't so um, our nation certainly is not perfect but could be a lot worse um, it needs to be a lot better though and can I tell you that it's not a president or a new congress that will fix our nation but it's our nation returning to the Lord uh, and our our nation's people seeking the Lord's uh, face. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. And this morning, I want us to know that the Lord's still open for business. You know, the church is still here. Uh, It was before the church even started, people were trying to shut it down. Uh, And you remember that as the book of Acts, as the church began to to grow and swell, it was persecuted, uh, even in its earliest days, uh, in um, AD 70 or so, the uh, Roman government tried to uh, do the, the church in and declare that it was illegal to be a Christian, and they imprisoned uh, believers, uh, and yet uh, the church continues uh, to flourish. Uh, and you know, over the decades and centuries since that first century, the church has been going forth. The church is probably not as healthy as it should be, but not dead either. Uh, and uh, Jesus promised that, you know, the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. And that wonderful message. And God is still... In the saving business, as we're going to see today, he's still in the healing business. So let's take a look, beginning in Matthew chapter 9, beginning uh, with verse 18. It says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. And he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went into all of the land. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come in, uh, to the house of the blind men and they came to them, Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. They touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. And when they had departed, they spread the news about him. In all the country. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon possessed. 
And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It has never been seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And we'll stop there for this morning. What a a wonderful story. Matthew groups these uh, uh, telling of ten miracles in his gospel. We've looked at several of them. These are uh, almost, these are seven, eight, and nine. Um, And we see that, you know, Jesus, as we talked about last week, Jesus did these miracles to show he did have the power and the authority to do these things because he was God. Only God, you remember, uh, from last week, can forgive sins. And to remind us, you remember, Jesus said to that man on that mat, uh, to the crowd, rather, he said, you know, which, what's easier, to forgive a man's sin or to heal him? And Jesus said, so that you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, I tell you, get up and walk. And the man did. Now, Jesus had been going about and preaching uh, a message to the people and uh, healing them and, and ministering to them, and word got out. And so in the next account uh, in Matthew's Gospel, we find three more um, groups of folks uh, that were healed by Jesus. First, we, we find Jairus, the, a temple ruler. We, we probably would, he would be akin to maybe a trustee uh, today. His name was Jairus, the other gospel writers tell us, and he was a, uh, they were in charge of making sure that uh, the temple was kept up, uh, that, you know, it, the repairs that needed to be were made, and so on and so forth. And, so he was a religious man, a Jew, someone that was well-respected and looked up to. His daughter had died. This man knew that and said, well, maybe Jesus can do something about this. And so he came and said, Jesus, if you'll cut, you have the ability. I think it was more of a last-ditch hope. Uh, that maybe this was the last chance. But you see, when Jesus is your last chance, you find out he's all you needed in the first place and should have been your first chance rather than your last chance. And so Jesus gets up and his disciples go with him and they head to this man's house. Now, did he have to do that? No. You remember earlier in Matthew's gospel, another healing took place. This time it was a Roman uh, leader, a commander of an army. And he said, you know, and that commander said, if you'll just speak it, it will be well. It'll be so. And you remember Jesus said, I have not seen so great a faith even in all of the house of Israel. And we find that here uh, as well. So they're on their way and we meet... A woman. Uh, it was crowded. People were, you know, it was thrown around. And, you know, Jesus was the, I guess, the, the biggest thing going on in town. People came to, to see him and to find out what was going on. And, uh, and, in fact, the other gospel writers, Mark and Luke, tell us that the crowd was so great that they, they had trouble moving. And 
this woman said, if I can just get to the hem of his garment and touch, I'll be made well. And so she worked. And by the way, it's significant. This woman had this issue of blood for 12 years. Uh, Mark tells us that she had spent all of her money on so-called doctors looking for healing. And the only thing she found was no money in the bank account. And she still had this issue of blood. Well, remember that in Jewish culture, when women were having uh, their time of the month, um, they were unclean. And in fact, they were unclean even seven days afterwards. And they were not supposed to associate with them because anybody that associated with them or touched them, they were unclean too. And everything they sat on, everything they touched was unclean. And so this woman, you know, certainly abandoned social expectations, if you will. Uh, This woman, though, was at the end of her rope. She said, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment. She wasn't going to interrupt him, not even speak to him. And she doesn't speak to him until he speaks to her first. Well, Mark tells us that when she touched the hem of his garment, the gospel says that he felt the power go out of him. He turned around and said, who touched me? He knew who touched him, by the way. And the disciples were perplexed. They said, what do you mean who touched you? There's, we're in a throng of people. Lots of folks are touching everybody. But Jesus was pointing out to this woman and said, Daughter, be of good cheer. By addressing her that way, he showed not only compassion, but understanding. Knowing that what her problem was, and notice what Matthew says immediately, her issue was healed. She had tried all kinds of money, no question. She tried all kinds of medicines and potions and, you know, you know, special diets, um, all these different things, tried to help and nothing helped. But Jesus cured her. So that in itself is pretty amazing. Then they got to Jairus' house, and the mourners were there. Back then, they didn't have him. So funerals were pretty quick. Uh, they oftentimes hired people to, to wail and mourn. Uh, so they took the body of the grave and, you know, played flute, you know, all those things. So the, the burial ritual was going on. They were getting ready for a funeral. And Jesus said, get out of here. That girl's not dead. She's only asleep. And they ridiculed him. They said, oh, you're nuts. And by the way, when... Oftentimes, when Jesus is working, and, and when you try to people will, as we talked about last week, people will think you're a little nuts, and they'll really kill you. But they didn't stop Jesus. He sent everybody out, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. Then they did that, and they left from there. And two blind guys. Nope. Know anything other than that, other than they couldn't see. And they simply said, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus said, Do you believe? In other words, do you have faith that I can do this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And their sight was restored. Jesus did something interesting. He said, Don't tell anybody. 
and they didn't listen. Then they met a demon-possessed mute man. Mute is somebody that can't talk. Demon-possessed, and yet Jesus cured him, and he was talking. And people said, we've not seen anything like this before. And the Pharisees, remember, religious folks, people that supposedly walked with the Lord, said he does that by the power of Satan. And that's where that ends. And several things that I think we find here about healing in this passage of Scripture that I want to mention to us briefly this morning. Uh, And the first thing is this, that healing requires humble action. It takes humble action. It, It takes something to admit you need help. Most of us don't have a problem finding pride. We, we've got some of it. And some, most of the time it rears its head in us. Remember, uh, Proverbs says that pride goes before destruction. Russell mentioned that this morning in Sunday school. You know what? Pride will do us in, and it, it usually does. It's usually why people get in trouble that they do, why you know, they get in messes, because they think they're untouchable and, you know, that, well, it can't affect them. They're just too great and too powerful. But they find out, no, nah, they're not. It takes something to admit that you need help. And it takes humility and, and courage to go to somebody that everybody in town thinks is a whack job. They, they knew Jesus was doing something. He was teaching as one that had authority. In other words, his, his preaching was different than anything they had ever heard. And, and they were moved, but, but people thought there's, they, they recognized he wasn't normal. And he wasn't because he was God. All of these people received healing, received a miracle from God because they did something. Other than, you know, most of the time, the only thing a lot of folks do about their problems is complain about them. We as human beings, we love to complain. We love to owe me and oh my. And that doesn't solve any problem. Complaining has not ever solved any problem. But doing something about the problem does solve it. And so in every instance that we found healing in the story, the people did something. Now, that doing something was not what made them healed. But doing something got them to the one that could heal them. And so my point is saying this, that, listen, we can complain about our problems and the situations that we find ourselves in. And just think it's hopeless and give up. Or sometimes we might, but we try to fix the problem ourselves. 
The wives in here will testify probably that their husbands have tried to fix something at home only to make matters much worse and eventually had to call in a professional to to do the job. And it probably cost more because the professional had to undo what the husband did and then do it the right way. So the it's not putting faith in ourselves and thinking that we can do something about the problems that we have. Truth of the matter is we can't heal ourselves a lot of times. You know, our bodies are pretty amazing things. God created our, our bodies as our body really is a miracle. Science spends has spent centuries trying to figure it out. And in a lot of ways they have. You know a lot about the human but you know what? There's some things about the human body. The smartest doctors in the world. Well, we don't understand it, but it's just the way it is, you know. So there's things that we have to take by faith. But you see, there is one who knows all about our human body. And knows all about our human spirit because he's the one that created it. And can I tell you that the creator of something knows every little detail about whatever it is that's created and knows how to fix it when it breaks. Probably all of us have things in the garage or in the closet somewhere that's broken. A clock, maybe a mixer, maybe. You know, we don't want to throw it away. Maybe we'll get around to fixing it, you know, sooner or later. Or maybe, you know, we'll find somebody that knows about fixing such things. Most of the time, though, those things just sit in a drawer and never get fixed. Why? Because healing, being fixed, requires humble action. You see, humility is the opposite of pride. Pride is something most of us don't struggle. We don't have a hard time finding pride. But what we do most of the time have trouble with is finding humility. It's hard for us to admit we need help. It's hard for us to admit we can't do something. If I want Leslie to do something, all I have to do is tell her she can't do it. She'll do it. Now I've told and she listens to it, then she'll know my trick and it won't work anymore. But it's true for most of it, isn't it? If somebody tells us that we can't do it, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you. But there's one thing none of us can do, and that's bring healing and wholeness, because that can only come from Jesus. You know, that's how we're saved, is humbling ourselves, saying, listen, I know I'm a sinner, and I need God in my life, and asking him to come into and receive that great gift that Jesus gave, and making him the Lord of our life. And so healing requires humble action. In every one of these instances, we saw that to be true. Secondly, what we find is that Jesus' healing is absolute. I tell you, Jesus doesn't do anything halfway. When he does it, he does it right. And he does it completely. The woman of the with this issue of blood that had been having this issue 12 years, it it stopped just like that. This girl that was dead got up. She lived. 
Of course, she died again later on, but uh, that's another sermon for another day. These blind men saw right away. This man that was mute spoke. It wasn't that it was only halfway done. They were completely healed. Why is that important? Because so often we find the Lord and ask him to touch our life and and we claim that, that healing, if you will, that being made whole, and yet we think it's only partial. But when Jesus heals and when Jesus forgives, when Jesus makes whole, he does it completely. And so we have to remember, listen, yes, we had this issue. And by the way, Jesus reminds us over and over and over again in the Gospels, though he can heal physically, the most important thing, healing that anybody needs is spiritual healing. And so he reminds us that Jesus is able not just to make things a little bit better, he's able to bring healing completely. And so when Jesus heals relationships, he does so completely. When he heals illnesses, he does so completely. Sometimes that that physical healing doesn't take place here on earth for whatever reason. Only the Lord knows. We pray for for people's healing. Some of us went Friday to Lori Walker's funeral. Many people pray for Lori's healing. Could God heal from cancer? Absolutely God can heal cancer. He has on many occasions. I have a friend that had brain cancer. He was, went to Vanderbilt Hospital, had an MRI, had this big mass. said, so you got to have brain surgery. He went in the next week, had another MRI to see if maybe it had shrunk or moved or whatever it may have been before they popped his brain open, and, and there was nothing there. The mass was gone. So God can do that, and I think he still can do it today. But sometimes that healing doesn't come in this life. Sometimes it comes in the next. See, in heaven, there's no crying, there's no sickness, there's no pain. And so we are promised absolute healing. It may not come when we want to, but it it will come. But when Jesus does work in a situation, he touches it, it's made whole. In fact, that's the whole reason he came was to make our relationship with God that was broken well again. To make it whole. But then the last thing that I want us to see as we look through this story is that Jesus is able to heal any. I've not added it up. I'd be willing to guess that probably 80% of the people that Jesus healed in the Gospels were social outcasts. They were not religious folks. At least one in this story was. But most of them were people that 
society kind of had forgotten about or kind of pushed to the side. And yet those were the very ones that Jesus was drawn to. Just like he was drawn to Matthew, that publican tax collector, and the sinners that gathered at Matthew's house. Just like he was drawn to the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4. See, Jesus ministered to anyone. He wasn't afraid. In fact, people ridiculed him for it. Said, listen, he hangs out with the wrong kind of people. What? You know, he surely can't be a, a religious man. He's hanging out with lost folk, people that are do bad things. And remember earlier in chapter 9, he said, listen, I didn't come for the healthy. Healthy folks don't need to go to the doctor, but sick people need a physician. In other words, he said, I came to find those that were sick and make them well. And so most of the time, he chose people and worked through people that society had forgotten about. Certainly this woman with the issue of blood did not have many friends. She did not go out in social gatherings. And yet she braved a crowd of people to get to Jesus. This demon-possessed mute man was certainly someone that people would not count as their personal best friends. It was someone that you would have avoided, and if they were on one side of the street, you would have walked to the other side of the street so you didn't have to pass them. In other words, they were social outcasts. They were different is what made them outcasts, though. They probably spoke the same language, looked the same. In other words, they had the same skin color. They had the same customs. And yet, because of whatever various issues they may have had, they were different. And Jesus wasn't afraid to go to them and eat with them and speak to them and to shake their hands. So that means to us there's good news because if Jesus can heal anyone, that means he can heal me and he can heal you. You see, Jesus is still in the healing business there are some preachers that you know on, on you know they say you know send me a hundred dollars and i'll send you this rag that i've prayed of and rub it on you and you'll be made well well all you've done is wasted a hundred dollars um you know and it's you know you see people on it you know you bash them on the head and they a lot of that's fake the lord's not in that but the lord is still in the healing business God is able to heal. He's not able, you know, to he sometimes works through human beings. I think when a doctor heals someone from a disease, I think that's the Lord's healing. When amoxicillin cures an infection, you know, I think that's the Lord because the Lord gave somebody the knowledge, hey, listen, put this stuff in a pill and give it to people and it's going to make them better. Sometimes he does it supernaturally by his touch. Sometimes he does it supernaturally just by speaking or willing it to be so. Sometimes he does it through other people. 
But what's important for us to remember is that Jesus will heal and is able to heal anyone and anything. So that means no matter what you might have in your life that needs healing, Jesus can heal it. Most importantly, if there are spiritual risks between you and the Lord, there's only one way to make it right. And that's humbling yourself and coming to the Lord saying, you know what, God, I've, I've made a mess of things. And when Jesus heals us and he forgives us, it's absolute. Maybe it, it's some disease. Maybe it's an emotional disease. Maybe it's family brokenness. There are a lot of folks that get divorced. And I think divorce is an ugly thing. I wonder how many of those families could have been healed and, and divorce could have been avoided had they gone to the Lord and let the Lord heal that family and marriage. Sometimes it's, it's, it's unavoidable, but I think sometimes it's not. And sometimes through life, whether it's divorce, maybe family issues, maybe it's past hurt, people have done things to you, and that leaves scars. And those scars hurt. And I think those scars keep you from being and doing what God really wants you to do. But can I tell you that Jesus can come and take those scars and cut them away. It doesn't mean that you just forget about what happened. Forget about, but that you don't let it eat at you anymore. That you find healing from it and you can move past it. Moving past something does not mean that it didn't affect you or that you're ignoring it. It means that you've dealt with it and you've moved beyond it. And Jesus can help us do those things. Maybe you're spiritually healthy and emotionally healthy and physically healthy today. Praise God for that. But I tell you, chances are pretty good because Columbus has hundreds of doctors that you can't get in to see one the same day. You've got to wait a week or two. And if it's a specialist, you wait a month or two to see him. So chances are, before long, you will be sick. You will need healing. You will, whether it's any of those things, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional. And I want you to remember this sermon today that Jesus is able to make you whole. But in order for him to make you whole, you've got to come to him. You've got to say, Lord, make me whole. And then you've got to be willing to do what he says is necessary. And when you obey, you'll find that Jesus will heal. And by the way, sometimes healing is instantaneous, like it wasn't. But sometimes healing takes a long time. But just because healing takes a long time does not mean it's not taking place. Sometimes it's we're being more healed than we realize. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and your goodness. Lord, thank you for the reminders from your word. 
Lord, we thank you that you're still in the healing business. Lord, that when we're sick, spiritually we come to you, you can make us well. When we're sick physically, Lord, you can come, we come to you and, and, and bring those things to you in prayer. Lord, you work on our behalf. Lord, maybe there's some here today with emotional scars, maybe some emotional disease, Lord, that just really keeping them from being who you have created them to be and doing what you've created them to do. Lord, pride has kept them from reaching out for help. Lord, as we've seen from Matthew's gospel this morning, you're able to heal anyone of anything, but it requires our humble action. There's someone here today that's never trusted in you, Lord. If they were to die today, they'd end up in hell because they've not trusted you for uh, salvation. Would you help them today to call out to you and to receive that free gift? Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today that have been wandering around in misery, suffering, because they've been trying to heal themselves. Today, would you help them to come to you and say, Lord, I need healing from you. And would you work in their life and work on their behalf, Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you do for us and who you are in Jesus' name. Friends, let's say.